Half a day, and welcome to another edition of Live Till 5. My name is Chris Harper, filling in for Pastor Jared Baldwin today, who is on a recruiting trip for Harvest Ministries. Give you a little bit of information on that as we start the program. But first, I want to tell you the ways you can listen to this Live Till 5 broadcast. First of all, right here on 88.1 FM, every Friday afternoon from 3 to 5, we're live from our studios here in Barragata. You can also catch us on khmg.org, khmg.org. We broadcast 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on khmg.org. It's a convenient place for you to log on and Just click on the Listen tab, which is right in the top right corner, or in the menu as well, khmg.org. Right after we're done with the program today, I'm going to do a little editing on the show and post it as a podcast as well. I edit all the breaks out of the program. I make sure it's nice and uh, closely edited together, so it's about an hour and a half long. So right after the program is finished at 5 o'clock, start working on that and usually get it posted before 7 o'clock in the evening. So if you're not uh, following us on Facebook or on Twitter, you should do that because the latest link to our podcast is there and available. Or if uh, you're a SoundCloud user or an iTunes podcast user, you could... Follow us and subscribe in either one of those ways to get the podcast as well. But I will post a link on the the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Harvest Family Radio, at Harvest Family Radio on Facebook. Again, that's a good way to do it. Also put it on the homepage of the website. So if you want to go to khmg.org, it should be up there as well. Well, I wanted to let you know what uh, Pastor Jared is up to since I'm filling in for him today. He is uh, in the States and visiting some colleges right now. I happen to know he's at Maranatha Baptist University in Watertown, Wisconsin at the moment and uh, doing some recruiting there. Let me try to explain to you what's happening when Pastor Jared is away doing recruiting. That word recruiting, I I never feel as a, a... a good enough word to use for this kind of a trip because the kind of ministry that we have is um, on a, uh, has a particular mission that we've set out before us, which is to help people develop a heart for God. And at the hub of that, uh, the center point uh, centerpiece of that is Harvest Baptist church. But then we've got a number of ministries that are part of Harvest Baptist Church, some education ministries, 
including Harvest Christian Academy and Harvest Baptist Bible College. And we've got some media ministry going on here with uh, KHMG and lots of other things happening, too. We're involved with Harvest House. That's a foster parent ministry that really began from Harvest Baptist Church, and it's its own entity now. But there are employees that are needed for each of these ministries to be able to operate. So what happens is every few months, you know, someone from Harvest Ministries, someone usually in a a leadership position here, is able to travel and particularly go to some colleges, some Christian colleges around the state, and try to just uh, present the mission of Harvest to people. And the reason I say recruiting is not really a a good enough word is because we're looking for people who have a, a heart for this type of ministry and a mission in their lives that comes right from the scriptures and right from their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to want to be a ministry to people and specifically in this part of the world. And really God just has been has blessed us tremendously over the years in this way, sending us people here to Harvest Ministries, to all these ministries that we have uh, that have that kind of heart and really want to get involved with the mission of helping people develop a heart for God. So Pastor Jared is on an important task at the moment, and uh, uh, he's been posting some pictures on Instagram and uh, giving some updates and I, I was glad to hear they were able to go to the Pine Cone, uh, their favorite restaurant. Um, and uh, so that was good. If you're following Pastor Jared at all on Instagram, you can probably find him on Instagram. He's got a public profile there. Uh, if you want to find it, you can go to um, our profile. And I've liked some of his photos recently. So you'll be able to see in your little likes area uh, what we've uh, liked recently Our Instagram is Harvest Family Radio, Instagram.com forward slash Harvest Family Radio, or just do a search for Harvest Family Radio, and you will find us. Okay, well, I'm going to start a little differently than Pastor Jared uh, starts usually on the program. I'm going to start with some This Day in History, okay? This is usually a segment that uh, uh, Lawrence Nagengast is able to present for us, but I was able today to go on several websites and just compile a whole This Day in History list. So let's run it down for you. This is really interesting. In 1492, Christopher Columbus and his crew land in the Bahamas. That's on This Day in History, October 12th. Seems like a big day in history. The song, Three Blind Mice, is published in London on this day in 1609. And this is interesting, too. That is believed to be the earliest printed secular song. That means not a sacred song or a hymn or something of that nature, but this song, Three Blind Mice, published in London. In 1809, Meriwether Lewis of the Lewis and Clark Expedition dies under mysterious circumstances in Tennessee. Now, one of the things I was going to do in preparation for this episode is I was going to go on and check out what the mysterious circumstances were, because I didn't recall 
that story, but I didn't have a chance to do it. But anyway, you can probably Google it. Meriwether Lewis dies on this day in 1809. In this day in 1872, Apache leader Cochise signs a peace treaty with General Howard in the Arizona Territory. In 1933, Alcatraz Island is made a federal maximum security prison. That, of course, in San Francisco. It's an island that you can see uh, out there in the bay. And as a tourist attraction today, it's been closed for a, a long time. But on this day in 1933, it opened. In 1964, the USSR launches Vashad 1. It's the first spacecraft with a multi-person crew, and it's also the first mission in which the crew did not wear spacesuits. So they were inside their craft without those spacesuits. 1984, the Provisional Irish Republican Army detonates a bomb at the Grand Hotel in Brighton, England, in an unsuccessful attempt to assassinate British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. I had almost forgotten about that story until I read it. Five others are killed and 31 are wounded. That's on this day in 1984. Ten years later, 1994, NASA loses contact with the Magellan Probe spacecraft in the thick atmosphere of Venus. That was in 1994. And in 2000, I had forgotten that it had been this long ago. The USS Cole is attacked by terrorists. A motorized rubber dinghy loaded with explosives blows a 40 by 40 foot hole in the port side of the USS Cole. That's a U.S. Navy destroyer that was refueling at Aden, Yemen. So that's this day in history, October 12th. And um, if you're listening on the rebroadcast, you might be listening on Saturday or Sunday, either during the day on Saturday, noon to 2, or on the in the evening on Sunday, 7 to 9 p.m. So that will be this day in history from the previous Friday. But thanks for listening this afternoon to Live Till 5. Again, my name is Chris Harper, really filling in today for Pastor Jared Baldwin, who you would usually be hearing on this broadcast. But today, off-island, and I get the opportunity to, to be in his place as we bring you live till 5 from the studios of Harvest Family Radio in Barragata. Stay here. Lots more when we come back. Well, half a day. Thank you for tuning in. KHMG 88.1 FM Harvest Family Radio. It's live till five. My name is Chris Harper filling in today for Pastor Jared Baldwin, who is off island. He's doing some recruiting. Recruiting is kind of our word of the day. 
was trying to explain what kind of recruiting we're doing. Really just at some great Christian colleges, talking to young people who are really focused on being in ministry, reaching out to people, maybe in cross-cultural context like we have here on Guam, and uh, having the opportunity to really be in a ministry that's focused on helping people develop a heart for God, like we are here at Harvest Ministries. So I'm going to say recruiting is kind of our theme of the day. thought about that as I was uh, really not having a theme for the day. I put together a whole bunch of stuff, but didn't have any coherent um, theme to it. I'm going to talk about recruiting a little bit more as we go along on today's program. Hey, thanks for listening. Every week, we get something from AmbassadorAdvertising.com, and it gives us a little information for a program like this. It gives us a little rundown of things that are happening for the week, and uh, some of them are, are quite interesting. It gives you a little reminder at the top of something perhaps you weren't thinking about, I certainly wasn't thinking about, and that is we need to get ready for Christmas. It's October, and it says that this is the time really to get ready, especially if you're thinking of creating anything homemade. This would be a good time to get started on that because you've got a couple of months to do it. It also says a deal is a deal. So if you see anything on the clearance racks or anything this time of year, Pick it up now because you can uh, save money this time of year as well. Search for informa- uh, inspiration, I should say. Maybe information too, but search for inspiration for your Christmas cards. Now, a lot of people do this. They uh, get someone to take a picture of them or they take a picture for themselves of like a special Christmas Uh, family picture. Some people do funny pictures. Some people do very serious pictures. Some people uh, just do something sort of casual, whatever the case may be, be a good time to start thinking about that. Also, it gives us some information about this being National 4-H Week. Did you know what the H stands for in 4-H? This is something I was never involved with as a kid, but Uh, Some of the people I went to school with were involved with it, and it means head, heart, hands, and health. So that kind of explains some of the things that they do. But did you know that 4-Hers are four times more likely to give back to their community? It means they're involved in community service and doing things that really fit with uh, their mission to have a Uh, to be involved with their head, their heart, their hands, and also to be healthy. Well, I wanted to get to Stranger Than Fiction sort of early in the program today, and that's because one of the things that I do when Pastor Jared is off-island is I go through his uh, all of his old articles, articles that he has not used on the program, and he's got a bunch. I mean, there are stacks in my little file cabinet here. And I went through some of them and just thought these would be good to bring up in our stranger than fiction category. This one's really interesting. These are 10 TV and movie cliches that you will never see 
in real life. I think of this quite a lot. Uh, every once in a while, my wife and I will go on to uh, Amazon Prime and we'll watch uh, some series that they have on Amazon Prime. We're not huge movie people. We don't watch a lot of movies or a lot of television shows, but maybe one or two, maybe two nights a week uh, if we have an opportunity. Hasn't been for a few weeks, though, honestly. But uh, maybe one or two nights a week, we'll pull up one of those um, TV movies, uh, movies or, or TV programs, I should say. Now, we do. We have a, a particular category of things that we watch, and they have a lot of cliches in them. I, I, I can maybe get into it after we read a few of these, but here's some that you see but are never going to happen in real life. First one is the chloroform nap. This is a common scene in many mystery movies. The trick is to knock out an unsuspecting victim by holding a rag full of chloroform over their face. Have you ever seen that? So basically, you want to take someone and whisk them away, and they take this chloroform napkin, put it over their face. But would this tactic work in real life? The fact is, probably not. First of all, chloroform begins to lose its effectiveness as soon as it mixes with oxygen. So it's like the moment you pour it on that napkin, it's going to lose its effectiveness. Second, chloroform doesn't instantly knock a person unconscious. Depending upon the victim's size and weight, the chemical could take up to 10 minutes to subdue a person. So that would be kind of a long time to struggle with a with a rag over someone's face. Another one you might see that's kind of cliche in a movie or in a television program is the person falling through glass. No action film is complete without at least one person falling through a plate glass window and then walking away without a scratch. I've seen that one. Broken glass has razor-sharp edges that can cut right through clothing and human flesh like a hot knife through butter. That's a great picture. And if a person survived the fall, they would typically sustain so many cuts that they would look like, well, this is not a great image, but they would look like they had just taken a ketchup bath. Oh. The old clerk, Sebastian Basildu is in the studio now, folks. Uh, the other one is the exploding cars. Oh, that, that one is like ubiquitous, the exploding cars. Seems like every high-speed car chase ends with at least one automobile crashing and exploding in the flames. Turns out gasoline actually has a very narrow flammable range, and the mixture of gas vapor to outside air must be very specific before anything close to an explosion could ever occur. So gas may cause a car to burn after a wreck, but it would very rarely, if ever, detonate and explode. You mean movies and TV shows are totally phony? <laughs> so this is a... Uh, this, uh, is, this is uh, 10 TV and movie cliches that you will never see in real life. Did you already see the, did you already go over the closed eyes ones of, a, of someone that like, might have passed away? I didn't know. I didn't do you that. Know, they, well, you know, people like they put their, their, they're like, oh, they need to rest now. And they put their hands over their eyes and like yes. swipe down and they close their eyes for them. <laughs> yes. You know, but it's actually not true because 
if they did that in real life, the eyes would just pop back open. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, is that why people put coins over people's eyes? I don't, I don't know. know. I've seen that. I've seen that <laughs> trick as well. Well, um, what we've done, we've done the chloroform nap over someone's face, which is totally phony because it takes 10 minutes for someone to, uh, you know, uh, pass out because and of chloroform. To, and you need to do the right amount of that or else you'll kill the person too. Oh, I that's, think, yeah, that's that's a, another factor. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about this? Amnesia cures. Older sitcoms and cartoons often featured a character suffering from amnesia. And according to the plot, the only cure to restore their memory was to conk them on the head one more time. Well, I've seen this one too. Like they hit their head again and then all of a sudden they remember everything. Yeah. This is just about the worst thing you can do to an amnesia patient. The brain is already injured, which is what is causing the memory loss. And another bash to the skull (laughs) would likely only cause more damage. That seems to make sense to me because they almost make it seem as though like there's something loose in their head. And if they just hit it again, they're like... Knock it back into place. Kind of like my car yeah. speedometer when it, yeah. it doesn't work and then I hit it and then it, it pops yeah. up like it should. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's a good thing that our brains are nothing like your speedometer. <laughs> yes. Uh, how about when the bullet hits the bone? This is an interesting one. They explain this. How many cinematic scenes have portrayed a person being knocked off his feet and killed from one shot from a gun? For the sake of simplicity... We'll use a handgun as an example. Even if a person is shot at point-blank range by a handgun, he will not be lifted off the ground and sail through the air. (laughs) Oh, boy. If a handgun packed that much velocity, the shooter would be propelled backward in a similar fashion. So (laughs) when you fired the weapon, it would knock you off your feet. That makes a lot of sense, actually. The victim receives a direct wound to the heart. It would take several minutes to complete a circulatory collapse. And in the meantime, the brain is still sending out fight-or-flight messages. So a person is not just going to drop dead, generally speaking, immediately. Um, They might even still be fighting back at that point. How about this one? We've seen this one before. This, this, I don't watch these kind of movies, but The Silencer. Oh, yeah. Have you seen The Silencer on the gun? What a phony thing. Let me, go, let me guess. Glass bottles. They're going to say something about glass um, bottles. It doesn't have that one. Oh, with bottles. a silencer. Okay. So. Oh, okay. Well, let me, yeah. let me I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't read through it. A silencer only dampens a portion of the sound that is created by the exploding gases in a weapon. The bullet is still traveling at a supersonic speed, and it is a miniature sonic boom, which will still be quite audible. So it's not as though it reduces the gunfire to a whisper. So a silencer attached to the end of a gun barrel is basically a series of baffles along with an expansion chamber which gives the gas more time to cool off and dissipate before the bullet finally exits. So a silenced gun sounds about as loud as a car door being slammed. It's much quieter than the usual bang that you would hear, but it's certainly not a subtle little whoosh as often heard. Yeah. As often heard in some espionage films, as it says here. You know, I've, I've, 
so far I've seen all of these. I've seen all of these. Yes. The crime scene aftermath. This is a funny one. The climactic scene of many TV cop shows is a big shootout. Well, that's always great. Mm -hmm. Followed by the detective standing over a dead perp. (laughs) I didn't know I was going to use that phrase on the the program today, (laughs) but standing over a dead perp. Telling the uniformed cops to, quote, take him to the morgue and clean this thing up. Right? Unquote. Well, of course, it doesn't happen that way in real life. Because any officer who fires his weapon has to remain on scene until someone from internal affairs comes to investigate. He is also, uh, he also has to stand by until evidence technicians have finished collecting everything they need. And that may be from, you know, items on, even on his person. And the uniformed guys would laugh at this suggestion to clean up because they would not obviously not be allowed to do that because homicide investigators would need to collect all of the evidence and be sure that the crime scene was secured and and all of that so the the macho cop that basically says drag this guy out of here is uh, is a total fiction the one i really like the one that i thought was really the worst on this count and I, we never watched it when I was a kid, but we saw it. Have you ever seen Walker, Texas Ranger? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Walker, Texas Ranger would always end in a fist fight, a karate fight between Walker, Texas Ranger and... Everyone else. Every Basically, yeah. <laughs> a whole bunch of criminals. And I'm always wondering, you know, why did they choose to just enter into a fist fight... With the Texas Ranger, it just seems like a strange uh, philosophy, a strange, uh, a strange action. But anyway, I always thought that one was goofy. There's some more of these, but I think I'll quit now. We're we're on stranger than fiction, but this one happens to be a really long one. I might come back and do some more of those. Let's let's take yeah. a break though today because we've had a a good bit of our um, live till five program already today. I never know whether these songs, I never know which song to choose to take us out of a segment. I'm totally unaware of the names of these songs, so I'm going to do my best with it on Live Till 5. My name is Chris Harper, filling in for Pastor Jared Baldwin, who is away. Today we're talking a little bit about recruiting. I've made that my theme for the day, recruiting, because that's what uh, Pastor Jared is away doing. So uh, after our break... We'll get back with some more, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about some Stranger Than Fiction, or maybe our drinks will be here for What's In My Coffee, or who knows what we'll do next. It will be something interesting, fascinating, and over-the-top exciting. That's my best Jared Baldwin impression. Overselling. Yeah. (laughs) All right? Yeah. Thanks for listening today on KHMG.
sunny side we also with you so keep on the sunny side always on the sunny side keep on the sunny side of Trying to do that. Keep on the sunny side of life uh, today on Live Till 5. My name is Chris Harper, filling in today for Pastor Jared Baldwin. What we call uh, what he's doing while he's in the States is recruiting. It's really with a lot of prayer, seeking God's will for some uh, people who would come minister alongside us here at Harvest Ministries. So it's an important mission, an important thing that he's doing and And we're thankful he's able to do it because he's good at it. As you know from listening to this program, if you have, he's uh, really good with talking to people and and visiting with them and then really giving them a good idea of what kind of a ministry we have here. And uh, you might know um, his wife has gone with him as well, and she's really good at that sort of thing too, so... Um, if you have met his wife at all at church or anything like that, you'll know that, that she does a great job with that. So I was, I was glad to see she was able to go as well because it's a, a great opportunity. Whenever you have the opportunity to speak with Bible college students, they're always excited about ministry, always excited about carrying out the Great Commission in the world. And when you tell them about what's going on here at Harvest Ministries on Guam, um, no doubt they'll be interested. Uh, whether the Lord leads them out here or not um, is always uh, something that uh, they have to pray about, and and there's a lot that goes into a decision like that, of course, because it's a radical change of life for a student who's from the States or from some international, other place internationally, or whatever the case may be. But there's always a lot that goes into it, but no doubt they will be um, on board with the mission that we have, at least in the schools we attend, like um, uh, Pastor Jared is at Maranatha Baptist University uh, right now, and he was at Bob Jones University, and I'm not sure where all they're going, but they'll be meeting students who uh, would be sympathetic to and, and really excited about the mission of helping people develop a heart for God. That's kind of our our theme today is uh, recruiting. And I wanted to explain what that was all about, but we're doing lots of other things, too. I uh, had some stranger than fiction, but I also compiled, since there's about 12 minutes, uh, about, well, 13 minutes left in our first hour, I had another segment that I wanted to do, because this is always an interesting one, is I go and search for some offbeat news. Now, um, I've spent a lot of time doing news broadcasting, And one of the things you would always have at the end of a news broadcast was what we would call a kicker. That's a story that is not totally serious. Um, Maybe something serious happened in the story, but it's got a hint of humor to it as well. And as I looked at uh, Sky News UK offbeat news, and when I looked at the UPI odd news segment, I found two things that had the same theme. In fact, the same animal in them. So I want to read these to you. It says that a driver stopped to give a squirrel CPR after fearing he had killed the critter with his car. So the man, only named Chris, according to this story, was spotted by two police officers in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, 
as he crouched down at the side of the road to offer the squirrel some help. He was apparently trying to give him CPR. One of the officers, named Jeremy, captured the moment on his body camera, and the video has gone viral. I wasn't able to watch the video, although I have it up on my computer. I'll watch it a little bit later. But in the video, Chris tells officers, this is the guy that's trying to help the squirrel, that he is worried that he hit the animal with his car, and the police reassure him that the the squirrel probably tumbled just because of the pressure of the car going by. But the squirrel eventually springs back up and runs off, and he left the officers to joke uh, that he should get some sort of a life-saving award for the fact that he had saved this squirrel, although probably he hadn't. He was just kind of stunned or shocked by the car going by. Another squirrel story, same day, this one from UPI. It says that a squirrel put in an unexpected appearance Thursday during a meeting of London's Assembly Environment Committee meeting. The squirrel was caught on video by a committee employee, Giles Broadbent, as it ran around the assembly chamber while a committee meeting was currently in session. Now, witnesses said the squirrel ran in and out of the room about six times. It was a rare and delightful visitor, Broadbent told the London Evening Standard. There were some school children that came to watch some of the dealings in the chamber, and they were obviously pretty distracted by the squirrel that came running through. He was quite a plucky little thing as well. As he came in and out maybe six or seven times, he scurried around, Broadbent said, and he did seem particularly apt as we were talking about the impact of Heathrow. This is the airport in London that they're thinking about expanding. So it's he said that he was at the best committee for him to choose from, really. The, Avi- the Aviation Environment Federation, a campaign group promoting green aviation policies, uh, probably they would probably be uh, opposed to some of the expansion of London's Heathrow Airport, shared a photo of the squirrel snapped by a member who was present at the meeting. One of their representatives, Caroline Russell, was attending, and she joked, Uh, The squirrel wanted to make sure that there was a voice representing the natural world at the meeting. So um, kind of interesting and offbeat news. The first thing that popped up on both Sky News is offbeat news and the UPI odd news was a squirrel story. I guess they're always always good for a laugh, aren't they? Well, I kind of gave you an update from what's happening in Pastor Jared's a time that he's spending in the States doing his recruiting. But the other thing I want to do is give you a little update from my world, okay? This is, a, this is a little bit different segment, but these are things like I have been reading and looking into throughout my week. So I'm the station manager at KHMG, and I, I spend a lot of time thinking through audio and how to use audio and how to use radio to carry out our, our mission to help people develop a heart for God. But I thought you might find interesting one of the articles that I was reading this week, and it's about the smart audio report from National Public Radio in the States and a company called Edison Research. The smart speaker ownership in the United States is now at 43 
million for folks that are 18 plus. I don't know if you know what one of these smart devices is, but you buy them from Apple or from Google or from Amazon and very, very popular. You basically speak to the smart device, whichever one you may have. I don't have one of these at home, but there may be a time when I would get one. But the smart devices then are activated by your voice and they can tell you things from the internet. And I'm told, uh, people tell me quite regularly that they say to their device, uh, Alexa, play Harvest Family Radio or play Harvest Family Radio on TuneIn and immediately our station comes on. So I'm glad that that works well for people. But I had no idea that there were now 43 million people who had these devices, but that's according to this report from NPR and Edison Research. New smart speaker owners are emerging as a distinct audience in terms of user profile and behavior. According to new research from this smart audio report, and it's the first time they've really had a preview of the realities of mainstream use of these devices. It's also revealing the opinions about the brand activations and messaging within the voice assistant. That's often what they're called as well. The off office or voice assistant ecosystem it says that first adopters, that's those who have owned a smart speaker device for more than one year, tend to demonstrate more advanced use of the voice assistant or the smart speaker. For instance, they will use it to control home security or other household devices. But by contrast, those early mainstream users, they're people who have owned the smart speaker device for less than a year, are relying on the technology for a wider range of daily activities, including, and honestly, I didn't really know you could do this, but including ordering food, didn't know you could do that, making calls, I guess I did know that, getting traffic reports, researching products, shopping, or even facilitating family or social time. Voice-activated tools have become part of our daily lives, says this report, and they are bringing dramatic changes to consumer behavior as research shows, smart speaker owners are turning off their televisions, closing down their laptops, and they are spending more time listening to news, music, podcasts, and books, which is fueling a big, big demand for audio content. This is something I read in just about every industry magazine, every industry um, website, Everywhere you go regarding radio, you always see these things about smart speakers and how they're just making this really huge impact in the audio marketplace. So one of the, the things that, that everybody's really trying to do in radio is just do more uh, creating content that goes on the web, whether it's streaming things or whether it's audio on demand, like the podcast you can download from our website, because uh, there's a, a tremendous demand for this audio content. So this is something I'm reading. This smart audio report is something you can go and take a look at online. It's from NPR and Edison Research. You could just do a, 
uh, a search for the Smart Audio Report. It came out back in June of 2017, but they have been updating it throughout. And so you can go and download that now. I think you do have to like type in your name and kind of what industry you work in, but you're able to download that um, on the internet. Okay, one other thing that I have been looking at, this kind of gives you a glimpse into what kind of things I'm reading in my week. Not only the smart audio report, but I also kind of read about things that are happening in the broadcast industry or in the web development industry, because I'm doing both of those things quite a lot. This one, very interesting. I'll tell you why it's especially interesting for me right now, because in our radio station, we have been having some equipment that has given me a lot of trouble lately. That is not really typical. I don't always have a lot of trouble with my equipment, but recently I've had a bunch, and so I'm looking into a lot of new stuff. But I was glad to hear that even as big a broadcast outlet as the BBC in England has been disrupted by a software glitch. Now, this comes from the BBC website, and I thought it was interesting that they were reporting on their own glitches, but it says the BBC had to replace their live broadcasts with recorded material on its TV news channels for about an hour on Wednesday, following a technical glitch. The news at 6 and the news at 10 were also presented from the BBC's Millbank studio instead of their usual facility at New Broadcasting House. Now, basically what they had to do is to drive to a different facility. The guy that was doing the, I think it was the 10 o'clock news, had to actually hop in a car and drive to a whole different facility to do the uh, news report. The issue affected open media. This is a new computer system that was rolled out across all BBC news outlets over the past six months. And their supplier for this open media, called Anova, has been helping to investigate what exactly happened. It says that engineers believe they have now addressed the problem. Well, that's, that's good. That's helpful. BBC News home editor Mark Easton shared on social media that he was rushing across London to this other studio, the location which has a large angular desk, desk rather than the usual round one. That probably disturbed some viewers. They said, where is he at this time? And it was used for uh, usually for the daily politics program, but uh, he had to use it for the news in this particular case. But I was glad to, to know and to find out that other broadcast entities have some some issues with their software and their hardware programs as we often have it's good to find out well that's kind of what i'm doing that's an update from my week you heard a little bit about what was happening with uh, pastor jared on his travels they got to go to the pine cone i saw that sebastian i was so excited you need to follow uh, pastor jared on instagram if you haven't had a chance to do it because uh he, uh, he's updating you from the road. So I've given you an update from his travels, a little update from my week. We've got another hour of Live Till 5 coming up. Stay with us.
Well, one of the things I struggle with a little bit when I'm filling in for Pastor Jared is I'm not as familiar with the bumper music. He's a bumper music connoisseur, may I say. So, but I did know Baba Yetu. So I said, I'm going to pull out the one I know. So we got it. Baba Yetu. This was a favorite for those who are longtime listeners of the show. I know your wife would be one of these. Yeah, she is. She would remember well Nick Brown. Yes. The culture vulture. Giving you a little bit of history of uh, Live Till Five. He was the culture vulture. He was called the culture vulture. That's a sweet nickname. Yeah. Well, he was a sweet guy. (laughs) Still is. But uh, I'm talking about him as though he's deceased. He is not. But uh, this was one of his favorites, the Baba Yetu. Because he spent some time in Africa when he was a kid. And so South Africa, I believe. And so this is one of Mm, his favorites. Yes. My name is Chris Harper. I am filling in for Pastor Jared Baldwin, who is off island at this point, half a day. Welcome to Live Till Five. You've heard the voice of me, Chris Harper, and Sebastian Basildua, who is the wingman of the day today, and really the only wingman I got. When Pastor Jared is not here, people run for the exits. Yes. This is what I'm finding is the case. Yep. They're like, I I don't know whether they're saying this in their mind, but maybe they are thinking, I got to be with you two guys. Uh, No. It's a pansy syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to go that far, <laughs> but, but, you know, they seem to run for the exits and the, even when we offer them a free drink, I mean, it's like, come on, we got a free, you know, you got a free drink on offer here and they still don't want to come up and do the what's in my coffee segment. So let's do that next. What's in my coffee. This segment is brought to you by Hebrews. Worldwide coffee shop and bookstore. Are we still calling it a bookstore? I um, guess we are. It has a couple books. It has I, a few I, books. Does it? Actually, no. I feel like it doesn't. Maybe it has a few, but not enough to be called a bookstore. Yeah, we should have acquainted ourselves with the inventory of Hebrews. Just as much as you would call it a, a, a I don't know, a chair <laughs> store. A chair because there's chairs in it, but chairs. They yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and they used to have they used to have a collection of candles and things too, and they don't have that as much anymore. But they do have some harvest T-shirts and like um, harvest polos. And is that where you got yours? This is not where I got this one, but I've gotten a few there. Okay, yeah, I've picked up a few Harvest Baptist Bible College polos. Mm. Those are popular around campus. I saw a couple people wearing those today, and uh, I've seen other people wearing them as well, people who want to promote the college. But we have some drinks, because this is their bread and butter right mm. there. The, the drinks, the coffee drinks, of course, the tea drinks, those kind of things. So that's what we have. If you're not familiar with the Live Till 5 world-famous What's in My Coffee game you're going to become acquainted with it now because sebastian is going to describe to you 
in as eloquent a terminology as he can muster what his drink tastes like, what his drink smells like, what his drink looks like, what his drink feels like. All of that is going to be wrapped up in the vernacular that he chooses to use at this point. My Sebastian is going to really try hard. It's off to you. Well, before, what's can you just for the audience listening? Um, Everything of course, is of course for I, the audience I, listening. I know, but for, for those out there who don't know, yes. I mean, I know, of course, but uh, well, you know what, what? What is a what is a latte exactly? I don't know what a latte is. You I don't, know what a latte I don't is? usually drink those. Has it got steamed milk in it? I guess. Is that? I actually don't know. I was. Oh. I was lying. I'm sorry. Are you kidding? <laughs> you can't. You can't say. You're but tell I was people. thinking. I was thinking. Um, the it would be really cool if there was a shop on Guam called, or a drink at least, just a drink called the Lottie Latte. I think that'd be really cool. Lottie, like Lottie Da, Lottie, like the Lottie Stones. Oh, yeah, you know, specific to Guam. I, yeah. I thought it was yeah. Oh, the Lottie Latte. Oh, that, if you if anyone has a sudden spark of you know inspiration, make sure you credit me. Yeah, that. you heard it here first. I'm sure someone else has. <laughs> I doubt anyone has ever thought of that. You're oh, okay. on Guam. Okay. Um, well, my drink is. I'm gonna say it's a latte. I'm still going. I'm pretty sure this is a latte. It's got the the, the milk. You know the yeah. steamed steamed milk. Um, but it's it's got kind of an autumn taste to it. So I'm gonna go with like an autumn latte. Um, it's sorry. Let me describe it for you. It's in a white cup with a brown. Um, sleeve with the number one on it for describing who I am. What we were laughing and joking about is there's two drinks today just for me and Sebastian, and it's number one and number three. Yes. <laughs> so somehow number two got skipped here, but I got number three. You got number one. So what kind do you think it is? I think it's like a, some sort of autumn latte. Like autumn spice or something? Autumn like, what spice is latte, I guess, yeah. Is it? Is it got kind of a pumpkin Maybe like a pumpkin... Spice latte, which is not unusual for okay. gotcha. the season, I guess. Everything's right. made of pumpkin spice. Yeah, this time of year, I guess so. I've never ordered one of those. I, I, there's a lot of to-do about them, but I've never ordered one. Yeah. Although I'm a pretty pretty boring drink orderer. But let me try mine. And we're in the midst mm. of what's in my coffee here. So I hope this is coffee. This is a very sweet coffee drink. Mm. This may be a latte as well, but it—I think it may be the same as yours. Maybe because it's got the—it's got a very similar uh, sort of a um, a fall taste to it. I don't know if it's well. Mine's—I don't know. Mine's—I doesn't feel that sweet, but I might be like a a PC, not that sweet. If you oh yes, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well. Um, That's one of the strongest drinks, Patty. <laughs> yeah. This one is sweeter than one of those drinks, so it may be a combo like white mocha. Because mm. it's got that sweetness of like a white mocha. I, I'm just starting to understand what the white mocha actually tastes like. Yeah. Because it's like ultra sweet, but it's really creamy too. So I think that's that's what we've got. So if you have an opportunity weekdays, from 7.30, is it 7.30? Yeah. 7.30 to 4. Drop by the hub. You can pick up one of these wonderful drinks. And if they're not open at 7.30, just bang on the, the shutters because they should be. 
Oh, good. Yeah. I did that this morning, actually. Okay. <laughs> but but it was only slightly, and, and they were opening it right as I did that. So I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So here's what we got. Uh, this is the big reveal, because this is part of the uh, part of the Hebrews segment as well. The reveal of the drink names. You have the pumpkin latte, number one. Yeah. Is a pumpkin latte. I was right. Wow. Yeah. And I have a pumpkin white mocha. It's a rare day when we get the drinks all right, but there's only two of us, so there's, there's a better two. shot. So we could have been shot. 100% wrong today, too. Yeah. We were exactly right. These are the f- this, is, this is part of the fall drink selection yeah. at the Hub. Yeah. I know you can pick it up if you come in during the week. You know what? I should know what this is because my wife gave me one at lunch today. She's like, would you like a latte, vanilla latte? And I was like, yes, thank you. And... I totally. Is that how you said it? That's exactly how it tastes. It tasted exactly like one of these, and I should have just realized. Also, you know what? I should. I um, for those who don't know, I broke my crown. Well, I didn't break it. My crown got suctioned off by caramel. Uh, yeah, caramel from a caramel apple last week. If you guys remember that, during and I just suddenly disappeared. Yeah, that's why. And um, I had made jokes about it. Um. Um, it was my wife who made the caramel. It was like homemade caramel, super delicious. And uh, I was like, yeah, I was just going to take some of that caramel and just stick it on the, the crown and just, you know, just plant it right back in my mouth because it was so strong. <laughs> but uh, also, if, if I had swallowed my, my, uh, my crown, that would have been like a $500 mistake. And I, and I was telling the dentist, I was like, that was almost the most expensive caramel apple I ever had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still five hundred dollar I mean, caramel apple, but it was only it was, turned out to be like a forty dollar caramel apple, so it's good. Yeah, but that's probably still the most expensive caramel apple we've ever had, <laughs> forty dollars. But uh, well, we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna go to a break now, and Sebastian Basildua has prepared for us a wonderful, informative, helpful. I'm trying to do this thing where Pastor Jared does where he builds it up to the point where it's overwhelmingly impossible but I can't quite get there but it's going to be great the quiz coming up on live till 5 my name is Chris Harper thanks for being with us today Good afternoon. Thank you for listening to Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. Of course, you can listen live online at khmg.org, khmg.org. Lots of things to download at khmg.org, too. Our regular programming, the things we produce locally here in our studios in Barragata, like Programs like uh, Building Great Leaders with Dr. Les Olala, Heart of Harvest with our former pastor, Marty Heron, Living Redemptively with Dr. Doug McLaughlin and others as well, including this Live Till 5 broadcast, which is in a podcast format on our website as well. And this 
latest edition will be available at about 7 o'clock this evening, uh, not too long after we discontinue the broadcast, I guess, finish the broadcast today. So thank you for listening. My name is Chris Harper, really just filling in today. Uh, Sebastian Basildua is with me, and we are going to uh, bring you the quiz from Sebastian now. Yes, it is quiz time with Sebastian. I have a really good quiz today. I called it the drone quiz. I won't drone on, I promise. Very good. Is this <laughs> is this a result of the story I was telling you about, the drone used in England to find a criminal? Yeah, well, I don't know. I think we talked about drones, and I was like, I want to do a quiz on a drone on the uh-huh. radio. Yeah. So I'm also Facebook living this, and so people are, are uh, watching, and they're going to try to comment and answer, but, um, you oh, know, really? kind of give an avenue for them to answer. Great. Because you know, it's better than just screaming at the radio. So, all right. Well, are we, we ready for this? We would never scream at the radio. I would. But we would talk to the radio calmly. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I, I don't do that. I scream at it. Oh, you so mean I, on the other end? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad. All right. Well, here we go. First question. Um, hope you're ready for this. What are RTF drones? Are they hobbyist drones? Are they military drones? Or are they commercial drones? No Googling. No Googling. What are RTF drones? Hobbyist drones, military drones, or commercial drones? Um, I don't, I'm not really sure, but I, I would say, I'm just going to guess military drones. Military I'm, drones. I'm the only one answering this quiz, so I'm going to win, I think. But RTF drones, military drones. That's my final answer. <laughs> Um, well, the final answer is a hobbyist drone. That's what it is. No. Uh, it's a hobbyist what drone. What does that stand for? Do you know? It stands for ready-to-fly drones. Oh. And they're consumer-level drones that just about anyone can purchase and operate. I guess if they were, well... Sorry for all those listeners that failed at that question. Yeah. Well, I'm not that sorry, but I... But... So it that's was probably a guess. They were probably guessing Minus one like for me. Chris. No. Okay. Great. Next question. Yes. Which segment of American society is opposed to use to the use of the word drone? So, oh. hobbyists, regulators, or consumers? Which segment of American society is opposed to the use of the word drone? Hobbyists, regulators, or consumers? I don't think hobbyists or consumers would be. So I'm going to think regulators because maybe there's another thing that's an actual drone that this kind of the the consumer drones don't really fit. So I'm going to say the regulators perhaps. The regulators is that your final answer? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Regulator it is for you and it is correct. Good job, Chris. You gained a point. And I imagine this is people perhaps in the aviation industry who think someone's going to be killed by these things. Well, see, it's regulator because it's called... Because professionals and legislators find drone to be a lazy term. They prefer the term unmanned aerial vehicle. Oh, please. UAV. Come on. Yeah. All right, here's here's an easy one. Super easy. Super duper easy. True or false. Okay. Drones are banned at U.S. national parks. 
Yes, that is true, because I was watching a YouTube video with wildlife photographer Steve Mathis. He's got an awesome YouTube channel, and he said that he could not fly his drone in those parks. So I'm going to say true. Uh, well, I don't know. Um, Steve Mathis is wrong. I'm just kidding. It is. It is true. Drones say, are banned at U.S. national parks. I was going to be like, why would he lie about that? <laughs> Sorry, people at home, or or, or why all would over he be confused? World. This guy is a photographer near um, uh, Grand Teton National Park. Okay, and a lot of his videos are of him in Grand Teton National Park photographing owls and elk and wolves and buffalo and things like that and he's in the park like in every single video so he would have to know his onions on that one (laughs) know his onions on that one yeah all right next question you you got that right you got that right great uh next question what are ucavs whoa uavs designed for combat uavs designed for pesticide application or uavs designed for oceanography so they're designed for combat, pesticide application, or oceanography. What is the... What, what, is, what are UCAVs? UCAVs. UCAVs. It's letters. I'm not saying UCAVs. No, yeah. I'm saying no, UCAVs. I, I don't see AVs. <laughs> um, designed for combat, pesticide application, or oceanography. I mean, it's too easy, but it could be combat because the C could stand for combat. I mean, it seems too easy, but I'll go with that. Oh, we've got. I'll just give the initials. We've got yeah. AD going for combat, and we got Pat, uh, PC going for combat. We got MH going for combat. Oh, people are people are yeah, uh, people are actually in. responding. Terrific! They get they get a chance. Uh, yep, and it is combat. Correct. Unmanned combat aerial vehicles can spy on enemies and fire weapons from afar without putting a pilot's life at risk. So yes, it is for combat. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. It should stand for unmanned crazy uh, aerial vehicles. Yeah, Yeah. crazy. (laughs) Okay, next question. According to FAA drone regulations, what is the maximum weight for consumer drones? Oh, wow. 55 pounds. That's... I can't even divvy that up on my my size. I would like to know what can <laughs> what constitutes a consumer drone because I've seen some of these photography outfits with these huge drones, and I'm wondering if that's a consumer drone or whether it's not. Yeah, I, I believe that is. Okay, so 55 pounds, 28 pounds, or 21 pounds. Which one is the maximum weight for consumer drones? These are the ones where you might go to the park and you might see people like flying it up in the air, and uh, yeah, 55 pounds. Go to the park. Pounds. You think? You think? Like I've been down to the Assen Beach, yeah, and I've seen people flying drones. So uh, yeah, I, the ones I have seen have have they're bigger than that. Actually, they they carry a full size DSLR camera, yeah. shooting video on them. So they're a lot bigger than the ones I've actually seen, you know, flying around Guam. Uh, so I'm gonna say they could be as much. They could be as much as 21 pounds. So we've got. I, I don't know if it's twenty eight, but they could be. It might as much. Okay, it could be as much as twenty one pounds, unless these are not considered 
consumer drones. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm going based on this is another one based on photography videos I've seen. But I'll go with the 21 pounds. All right, we've got AD going for 21, PC going for 28, and MH going for 28 as well. Uh, it is 55 pounds. Really? Yeah, 55 pounds. 55 pound drone. You can you can fly one legally. Wow. Then they must be that that heavy. I you know you can't tell from just looking at it because they've got kind of these. Um, they're they look like they're a lightweight frame, but they've got large, I guess motors, engines. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure you would call them on the end. Batteries, batteries. Uh, you yeah. got all that. Yeah. So yeah. So maybe they're quite heavy. Yeah. So I don't have any extra like flavor text for that, but uh, nice. we'll go on to the next question. Um, no one, no one got it right. I'm sorry. All right. Vayu, V-A-Y-U, is a company that builds drones for what purpose? Whoa. Medicine, firefighting, or spying? Vayu builds a drone. Builds drones, not a drone, multiple drones. Builds drones for medicine, firefighting, or spying? Which one? Okay, spying is a, is a, a more, like it's a, a more exciting answer. But I think it, and and then the boring answer is healthcare. Yeah. Even though it might be legit, I'm thinking it's perhaps firefighting. Perhaps firefighting, firefighting. medicine, yeah. or spying. I'm going to say firefighting. What does Veyu, the company, build drones for? I can't tell by the name. It's not getting Veyu doesn't give anything I, I, I away. I know, but I'm just reiterating for those who might be. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, Ve, uh, Veyu is. So you said firefighting. I said firefighting. I have. MH going firefighting. I have PC going spying. It's actually medicine. Wow. Medicine. That was the boring answer. Uh, well, actually, okay. Veyu is making drones that can deliver medicine to remote rural locations or even retrieve samples for testing. That's so great. I think, it's, I think it's great. That's like, I'll tell you what that's <laughs> like. I used to live in Nenana, Alaska. Okay. Nenana. And Nenana is famous for one thing and one thing only. Oh, I know. It starts well, with a B. Yes, Balto okay, the dog made a run from Ninana. The the movies and everything destroy the story, but anyway, he made I a love run. The movie. He made a run from Ninana, Alaska, out to Nome, like a thousand miles, to deliver medicine. Yeah. to the village. So it's like they should call their drone instead of Vayu or whatever it is. Balto. Balto the drone. That'd be cool. That would be great. I'd be up for that. You should yeah. send them an email. Uh, that's it. I'm sending them an email. All right, getting well, on their website right now. Last question here. I hope everyone's uh, paying real close attention. <laughs> I am. True or false? Yes. In the U.S., it is illegal to fly a drone over other people. True or false? I've had them flown over me at, at Assen, so either somebody is a, is a malicious violator of the law or the answer is false. Okay. True or false? Is the U- In the U.S., is it illegal to fly a drone over other people? And if it turns out that if the answer is true, then I'm going to say something to the next guy who flies a drone over my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer is true. FAA regulations specify that you cannot fly a drone over other people or you could be fined. Oh, I wonder. I wonder how that accounts for like like if if you were like running under their drone. Like, I have seen to that get them violated. Fined. I have absolutely <laughs> seen that because 
Um, sometimes you'll have out at acid and you'll have people kind of posing um, in front of the sunset or something. And I've seen drones over them and they're literally hovering directly above them. Yeah. Or, you know, um, either directly above them or kind of in front of them slightly yeah. to get the sunset in the in the shot. Well, it's those drones. Remember, the max is 55 pounds. So if a drone kind of fell down on you from yeah. from like, I think yeah. the max is you can go like 200 feet up. Maybe more. I yeah. can't remember actually. I'm not sure. But oh, so we have we have uh, JB went true on that one. PC went false, and also she claims she lost, which is unfortunate. But uh, MH going true. Well, now how does that apply to? I'll tell you where I've seen it quite regularly is when there's marathons and things, mm-hmm. and that this actually has been brought up as a problem, is people will fly drones over the marathons. Oh. That's right over the top of people's heads. Yeah. So I have specifically seen that one violated. So if everyone's listening, if you are in a marathon and you see a drone flying over your head, grab the nearest rock and throw it at the drone and oh. say, you are breaking the rules, sir. Oh, that's not illegal? I don't know. <laughs> Throwing a rock at a drone? <laughs> Man, making it fall towards the ground and, and hit someone. I don't know if that's any better, but... Yeah, uh, no, no, because then when you knock it out of the sky, it'll land on someone and they'll be injured, maimed, or perhaps killed. Yes. Well, thanks everyone for joining in for the quiz and uh, hope you uh, had a little fun playing some trivia. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks, Sebastian. It's uh, Chris Harper, Sebastian Mazaldua, filling in today... On Live Till 5, you're listening to KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. Listening on Friday afternoon, October 12th, but you may be listening to the rebroadcast. Noon to 2 on Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday night. Or you may be listening on KHMG.org, streaming. Or you may have even downloaded the podcast on KHMG.org. Whatever the case may be, thanks for being here. And we'll be back in a few minutes. Some glad morning when this life is over. I'll fly away. Got to fly away. To a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for listening to Live Till 5 with your fill-in host, Chris Harper, filling in for Pastor Jared Baldwin, who's off-island, doing um, what really our theme is for the day, recruiting. And I talked about recruiting. I, th- I think that's an insufficient word for what's going on because we have a really a great commission focus at our ministry here and the folks we hire to come out here do so because they're um, trying to live by that mission. Our mission is to help people develop a heart for God. And no doubt at the colleges that uh, Pastor Jared, Ken Keith, and uh, his wife, uh, Pastor Jared's wife, Tammy, are at uh, even this week, like at Maranatha Baptist University. There's a lot of students who want to use their lives to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, carry out the Great Commission. So I think recruiting is a little bit of an insufficient word for it, but I'm not sure of a better one. 
So we're going to use recruiting. Yeah, that's, um, I don't know what, what, yeah, it's hard to find a better word. It's hard to find a better word. That's why we're using the word recruiting today, but that's what, where Pastor Jared is. They're going out and being magnets, I guess. Magnets. Magnets of, of people. I mean, the way I I think of it is all you got to do is just tell them the real story of what's going on here, the kind of ministry that we have and people, um, you're not going to have to explain too long. If they understand what's happening here, um, if you're excited about ministry, uh, you could be a potential person to come out and work either at our Harvest Christian Academy or Harvest Baptist Bible College or Sebastian came here to work at the radio station. His wife came out here to be a teacher. Um, I came out here to manage the radio station. Um, It's a great commission calling for these students and an opportunity. It's just a great thing that... uh, Pastor Jared gets the opportunity to do. I think he does it a couple times a year. So that's what he's doing. That's why you have me here. You're kind of left with us. With us. And, you know, I mean, we're doing the best we can. (laughs) We're doing the best we can for you. This is something I'm comfortable doing, and that is the news. These are the latest stories from srnnews.com. I've got a story I wouldn't usually make too many comments on, but I thought it was interesting. Um, a sports story, and then we're going to do a, a story from the religion news section of srnnews.com. It says, while Drew Brees, he's the uh, Saints quarterback in yes. the NFL, and Tom Brady, he is the New England Patriots quarterback, continue making history, the rookie quarterbacks are making their mark as well. So Brees broke Peyton Manning's record for career passing yards on Monday night, And at the same time, Brady became the third quarterback to throw 500 touchdown passes last Thursday night. Now, Brady is 40 touchdown passes away from passing Peyton Manning for first on the career list. And he also is one win away from becoming the first quarterback with 200 regular season wins. But on the rookie side of things, Arizona's Josh Rosen... Buffalo's Josh Allen, Cleveland's Baker Mayfield, and the New York Jets quarterback Sam Darnold did their part to prove the NFL should be in good hands in future years as each player led his team to victory in week five. And there was a stat about that being one of the uh, uh, the only times where that has happened. All the rookie quarterbacks have led their team to a win. So I thought that was an interesting one. Uh, This is a little bit more serious story, but good news. An American pastor may soon be released after two years of captivity in Turkey. A person involved in efforts to free Andrew Brunson, say the 50-year-old evangelical pastor who is from North Carolina, could be freed at his next court appearance, which is on Friday. The person spoke on the condition of anonymity because officials had not yet reached a final agreement on the release, and it could still fall through at this point. At the time of the the uh, publishing of this story, this may be all happening concurrently. I'm not sure what the times look like, but a State Department spokeswoman, Heather Nauert, told reporters that the U.S. is hopeful that he will soon go free, but said she was unaware of any agreement. On his release, President Donald Trump had demanded his release and his case was added, uh, added further complications 
to an already strained relationship between the U.S. and Turkey. Now, Brunson was among thousands of people arrested in Turkey in police sweeps following a failed July 2016 coup against uh, President Tayyip Erdogan. Uh, he is accused of working to convert Kurds to Christianity and to destabilize Turkey. Brunson is under house arrest, but he could get up to 35 years in prison if he's convicted and if the deal falls through, I suppose. Uh, his lawyers say these charges are baseless. That's kind of good news. And uh, that's the news for this afternoon. Let's, uh, let's do a little, perhaps, a little stranger than fiction. Uh, let me go back to a story that I started in our first hour. And the reason why is because these were actually pretty funny. Yeah. So the, the, the story is titled this. 10 TV and movie cliches that you will never see in real life. Here, let me tell you one that I think is always funny. So we sometimes will watch these sort of murder mystery shows, um, usually British murder mystery shows. Um, and they're all done by one particular author that I can't remember the name of at this moment, but like Murder on the Orient Express and some of these other kind of famous murder stories and i'll tell you what they do in those that always causes me to say oh no this again have you ever seen one of these movies or television shows where after the detective has investigated everyone he gathers all the suspects together in one room and he begins to explain to them all of the evidence that he has found you're looking at me in a funny way like you've never seen this no he gathers them around in a room and he basically explains to them, well, it could have been this person because they did this, but it could have been this person because they did, the, they did this, but it could have been this person. Then finally, he fingers the culprit who is in the room and he says, aha, it was you. And then, you know, usually they do something crazy, like try to run out of the room or something. And the other people who are outraged, they stop them from running out of the room and he's caught red handed and... He doesn't even try to, you know, get away because he knows he's he's it's over. Yeah, I I do know these. I, I generally just have the face of confusion. Yeah, yeah, I generally just look like that. But yeah, uh, I, I do know these. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I agree. They uh, all sit around, and then it's like he put together something that you never did. And yeah, and it, it takes him to explain it. Yeah, and then the other thing that they do is they go uh, the the criminal who is caught red-handed says oh, there's one thing you forgot about Mr. Hercule Poirot or whoever whoever it is that is the detective as they say I also did this and this ha ha and I got away with that you know they always confess something else too and they mm-hmm. go ah well I knew about that because ah and then they reveal some other piece of information you know it's always like it's very very cliche I would have gotten away with it. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, that that's basically what we're talking about here. Uh, this is this is stranger than fiction. So I thought this was good. How about this one? Computer hacking. Oh, yeah. OK. In my era of television, this was uh, a really this was really seriously violated. OK, it says, have you ever noticed that on TV it takes detectives three minutes or more to trace a phone call? But in a pinch. Someone can write a code to hack into a computer in half that time when it comes to tracking down a criminal. Programming requires many complex steps, 
including making changes to the existing code, compiling it, testing it, debugging it, and just waiting for the compiler to finish its job. And that can take hours. Even the best <sighs> hacker cannot click a few keys and access a perp's password protected files within just a matter of minutes. Yeah, I've seen I've seen stuff on this online how people are like what hack what people think hackers lives are actually are are really like and it shows like them typing away like really fast and then like just text f- scrolling through the screen because they're yes. just so fast at typing yes. and but in real life it, it looked like they were like typing one line of code and then it like didn't compile correctly so they went to Google and typed in the error code. Yes. <laughs> and yes. That's how they solved their problems and then uh, having yeah. written a lot of code in my day, I know that you can Google the code and I've gotten a lot of really serious code from just googling it. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> so this one's definitely not true. How about the dramatic drowning scene? Drowning victims have plenty of time for a dramatic rescue on the big screen since they flail and splash loudly while reaching their arms up in the air and desperately calling for help. But in reality, most drowning victims don't get rescued in time simply because no one nearby realizes that the person is in trouble. Yeah, and this is the case if you've ever seen someone kind of on the verge of drowning. Um, A drowning person typically dies quietly, since he is unable to keep his mouth above the water long enough to even draw a breath or to cry for assistance. They don't usually thrash about. Either they instinctively straighten their bodies as if they're climbing a ladder or spread their arms by their sides as if they're trying to push down the surface of the water to lift themselves up. Because of this automatic response, a drowning person will rarely reach for a thrown life preserver or an extended stick yeah that one's kind of a sad one actually but yeah you, you'll see the drowning victim thrashing about that's usually not mm-hmm. the case uh the headstones in one hour or less showing a completed personalized headstone at a gravesite during a burial certainly adds poignancy to any funeral scene and often acts as a shorthand to indicate the character did not survive but in real life, it usually takes a minimum of four weeks after the order has been placed yeah. to have a grave marker put in place. And that's for one uh, that's on inventory and in stock. If you wanted some custom artwork or something like that, it could take 90 days or more. Mm-hmm. So it, it may be a way for you to sort of see the person's name and the fact that they died. But uh not very likely overall. All right, I want to I want to take a break and then what we're going to do after we take a break is we're going to come back and I want to talk about our um our series at church um Behold Our God and let you know that <laughs> Wow, that was interesting. Get ready for <laughs> Behold Our God. Yeah. I want to let you know that uh, it's our last uh, service in the Behold Our God series this Sunday at Harvest Baptist Church. But we'll take a uh, take a break first and then come back on Live Till 5. Walk with me, Lord. God, walk with me, 
Walk with me, Lord. God, walk with me. While I'm on this old tedious journey, I want Jesus to walk with me. Well, you're listening to Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. My name is Chris Harper, filling in for Pastor Jared Baldwin today on the program. Real privilege to be with you today. Thanks for spending some time with us, a couple of hours, if you had the opportunity, on your Friday afternoon. Wanted to let you know that on khmg.org, just a little while later in the evening, we'll have the podcast version of this program available. And of course, there is a rebroadcast of this Live Till Five program from noon to 2 Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday night. So you may be listening at that time as well. If so, thank you for being here. The live broadcast is Friday afternoon from 3 to 5 p.m. And your typical host, your regular host, your favorite host, probably, is Pastor Jared Baldwin. Well, one thing I wanted to do before we finish out the program today is just give you the uh, personal invite to church this Sunday. Now, I think it's going to be a great opportunity because it's the final sermon in our series Behold Our God with Pastor Gary Walton this has been a great series if you haven't heard the previous sermons in the series Behold Our God I'd invite you to go to our website our church website hbcguam.org hbc for Harvest Baptist Church guam.org And you can download the sermon series there. There's a media page that you can go to, and we have the latest sermons in the series there. But then I'd encourage you to be here. 9.30 a.m. is the start time for our children's programs and our adult Bible fellowships. Our adult Bible fellowships study from uh, books of the Bible. I happen to be doing a Galatians series. There's also an Ephesians series and a Colossians series. We really take that time on a Sunday morning, starting at 9.30, to, uh, to give you a, a more in-depth look at what the Scripture says. And uh, certainly in our Galatians study, we've really done a, a, a good deep dive into Galatians. And so you could go to Sunday School first, Starting at 9.30, the kids could go to Sunday school as well, because we have a variety of children's programs, really, for any of your kids' ages. You can stop at the kiosk right in front of our church auditorium to ask where you can go and what the location of the classes are. So you can find that out there. And then, of course, at 10.30 a.m. is our regular morning worship service. And as I already said, this is going to be a great opportunity because it's the the final of our five-part series, Behold Our God, from Pastor Gary Walton. So we really hope to have you there. In the evening, also something special. I don't want to fail to mention this. That is Pastor Dennis Walton. Pastor Gary's dad will be here preaching as well. 
So that was awesome. I had the chance, and it'll air later tonight. I had the chance to sit down with Pastor Gary and Pastor Dennis both for our Harvest Time broadcast this week. That'll air at 6.05, just so you know about that. But again, we'd love to have you this Sunday at Harvest Baptist Church. Go to our website if you don't know the directions. It's at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. Well, for Pastor Jared Baldwin and all the everyone else, the whole crew from Live Till 5, thanks for listening. My name is Chris Harper, your fill-in host today on Live Till 5 here on KHMG. Thanks again for listening. <music>